Welcome to the latest episode of APPA's Public Power Now podcast. I'm Paul Schimpoli, News Director at APPA. Today, our guest is Marty Adams, General Manager of the Los Angeles Department of Water and Power. Marty, thanks for joining us. My pleasure. Great to be here. So we got a lot to cover today, and um, just in terms of recent uh, headline-grabbing news, um, the, um, the the first question I had for you relates to the fact that the National Renewable Energy Laboratory recently unveiled an analysis that said that meeting um, Los Angeles' goal of reliable 100% uh, renewable power by 2045, or even 2035, is achievable. Um, so can you tell us a bit about the study first and its significance for the city? I'd be happy to. Um, you know, this really is a landmark study. And uh, so it's uh, actually the culmination of a three-year analysis. Uh, it was done, again, as you said, by the National Renewable Energy Lab. We call it NREL, which is an arm of the Department of Energy. And we call it the LA100 study. And so it was a tremendous amount of work, not just by uh, NREL, but as well as our own staff and a guiding group of uh, advisories, a whole uh, team of uh, several dozen members of the public, of academia, uh, different uh, uh, advocate organizations, environmental, environmental groups, uh, folks that really wanted to kind of help shepherd this to make sure that we asked the right questions and we got the right answers and really kind of did this in a very collaborative way. So this was a, an unprecedented analysis of the ways that the city might get to 100% renewable energy uh, while making sure that we, uh, you know, really dealt with equity issues in terms of power reliability and, and how we uh, made power, you know, the price, price you know, effective throughout the entire city and, and the really looking at affordability of rates. But, the, you know, one of the things that we thought about this, this whole renewable study, the in-rail studies, we're just asking, you know, do you think we can get there? We said we want to get there. How do we get there? So really, the NREL study was was really what's that roadmap to get to 100% renewable energy in the city of Los Angeles? And so the study looked at how LA Water and Power, when we're fully vertically integrated utilities, so we have our own generation, our own transmission and distribution, you know, all the way to the metering of, of uh, customers. We serve four million people, have over one and a half million power services. You know, how can we uh, really transition to a clean energy future and meet the energy targets that were established by uh, Mayor Eric Garcetti when he really looked at L.A. being a green city of the future? And so, you know, we're very proud of how the study you know, took place and the advisory group's participation and the feedback that we got from everyone during the process, really looking at all the different perspectives and the, and the kind of concerns that people would have into doing this. And, you know, a lot of it is, you know, not just can you get there, but but it's how do you get there? How long will it take? Um, is it affordable? Uh, what's going to be the impact on the, on, on the reliability of the system? And how do we know the light, at the end of the day, the light's going to stay on? I mean, L.A. is part of one of the biggest economic engines in the world. Uh, the Southern California region is number five or six in terms of economies of the world. And L.A. is a big piece of that. Realizing that having reliable power all the time is a critical issue. And so how do we get to a green future, uh, not break the bank, and do it in a way that actually keeps that level of reliability and gets us the goals that we want to have. So the study was instrumental in getting us there. Uh, we're so proud of it. And it was the most, like I say, the most comprehensive work of its kind ever done. And I think it's a model for how we can all look toward the future. All right. So that, that's a that's a great overview. Appreciate that, Marty. So um, it's kind of drilling down a little further. So the study shows that 100% renewables in L.A. is achievable um, with the rapid deployment of things like wind, solar, storage, and other um, renewable energy technologies this decade. 
Um, so in that context, could you detail the actions that the utility has already taken to date um, on the path to um, 100% renewables? Well, that's a great question because, you know, one of the things you worry about is that you can sit there and wait for a study to be done and, and, and just kind of bide your time. And, and as we know from, you know, climate, uh, climate change scientists that, you know, they tell us that the decade we're living in right now is critical for the future. And so we have, you know, while the study has been going on, we have not been waiting on making investments and really, you know, doing the projects that we felt were obvious toward the future, that no matter what the studies show, they become a, a critical you know, component of our, you know, transitioning to a clean, to clean energy. And so we've, we've done a number of things. We've, uh, you know, we've been expanding our renewable energy portfolio We've uh, we have our pine our pine tree wind farm in Tehachapi Mountains. We've added um, you know more solar energy there. We have our Beacon solar energy project in the Mojave Desert, uh, as well as participating in other large scale solar projects that we that we buy from. Uh, we added transmission. Uh, we have something called the Barren Ridge uh, Renewable Transmission System that helps bring uh, all these renewables together into the city of LA. Uh, we've done a lot with our local storage, our local private local solar programs. Um, we actually have been the number one solar city in the United States six of the last seven years, and we aim to stay that way uh, with rooftop solar. Uh, we've expanded what was already the largest feed and tariff program uh, for solar energy by any uh, municipal utility in the U.S. Uh, and actually, we just expanded it to also include battery storage in, in that feed and tariff program so that not only can uh, people sell power into the grid, but they can actually store that power for their use uh, uh, when they need to on peaks or during emergencies. Um, and we've uh, gotten done our best to get out of our coal generating. We've divested from our Navajo generating station in 2016. That was ahead of schedule. And then our Intermountain Power Project in Utah, which was uh, due to be uh, divested in 2027, will be actually repowered away from coal and onto natural gas with a blend of clean hydrogen by 2025. And so, you know, we're doing things to transition actively from, uh, from coal and gas in some cases already uh, and, uh, and get into a cleaner energy plus build new renewable uh, energy, uh, energy facilities. Uh, we recently uh, got the Senate agreement to get into uh, energy from our six states. So we already collect energy from five states uh, and we have generation that we own. Uh, we're now adding a sixth state. We have wind farm going up in New Mexico. And we're also working very closely with uh, the Navajo tribe in Arizona to create more solar and uh, battery storage. And each of these projects are over 6% addition to our renewable portfolio. So huge leaps as we move forward. So what we've done so far, you know, puts us in a position to be really completely coal-free by 2025. Uh, and, you know, prior to that, our mix was over 50% coal. So we'll be away from coal in just a few short years from now. And that's a big shift that we've made. And uh, we'll continue to make more investments in, uh, in uh, our clean energy, you know, generation stations, as well as uh, what we need to help the grid and the transmission system to get that energy into the city of L.A., and so, you know, these are trans transformative moves and they're, they're significant moves. Our greenhouse gas emissions have decreased significantly from our 1990 levels. We're actually down 56 percent uh, in our from our 1990 levels. And our renewable portfolio has continued to increase over the years in the city of L.A. So when we look at what we deliver to our customers, we are already uh, at over a third of the energy our customers use already is renewable day in and day out. Um, and we're already uh, 
right now about 55% greenhouse gas free. So our as we build new projects and continue to turn those on, we continue to increase that renewable percentage and really um, you know, look toward accelerating our move toward the future. Um, we're, like I mentioned, Intermountain Power Project. We are uh, investing in green hydrogen at IPP. Uh, that project, when it comes online, will start with uh, about a third of the energy being from green hydrogen. This hydrogen made by electrolysis from excess renewable energy. And uh, the goal is to get that to a 100% green hydrogen plant so that it's burning only renewable fuels and provides dispatchable power, reliable power for the city of LA. And I mentioned again, you know, new large scale wind and solar project that continue to, to grow and add more to our system. And so at the same time, we're looking at uh, distributed energy resources here in LA, uh, looking at, looking at uh, the use of microgrids and how we can make those as part of our reliability measures and also reduce those peak demands. Um, we also are, are, you know, as I mentioned, expanding our feed-in tariff program. And so we have a lot of, a lot of things in the works, as well as demand response programs, uh, programs that help our resident, residential customers save in their energy bills, um, managing their energy use, a lot of moving parts. But all these are critical components to getting to the clean energy future, and they're all consistent with that LA100 study that NREAL conducted. It's not one magic bullet that does it for us. It's going to be the addition of uh, renewable energy resources on a utility scale, the addition of, of uh, renewable energy sources on a home scale. It's going to be, be able to do demand response energy conservation, because we're also looking at electrification of the transportation grid and of housing and building stock. And those things will put an additional demand on the power system. And they'll actually have ultimately expect a massive increase in power usage throughout the city as we go to more electrification of different sectors. And so making more efficient use of the energy we have now, helping people to reduce their own consumption, making room for that future growth, and making sure that we have a reliable system to provide for that growth in terms of both the energy that's generated, our ability to store it, uh, including battery storage and, and other methods of storing energy, and then to provide have the, the grid system, the transmission system to move it to where the customers are. These are all parts uh, of, of a big moving dynamic that's going on in the city of LA and which will get us to a clean energy future. Great. And so just staying with this topic a little further, um, how can you talk about how LADWP is ensuring um, this transition to 100% renewable energy future is, is, is done equitably? You know, this is a, a really critical issue for us. And, and just to digress a moment, you know, we have always been very proud of two particular things. One is we have very very good reliability in our power sector. We, we, our, our power system is, has performed admirably for over 100 years in terms of reliability and providing electric power. And that's something that, that the public expects of us. We, we view as job one. And so that is an important component. The other thing is that we have always provided very competitive rates for our customers. And being a municipally owned utility, you know, there's, there's no uh, shareholders or anybody or for dividends. I mean, our shareholders are the public that we serve. And so, um, you know, keeping their rates competitive and, and as low as possible is very important. We realize that as we transition to a green energy future, there will be new facilities that have to be built and there will be new costs. And so how we mitigate the impacts of those costs is very important because not all of our customers are well positioned to, to be able to afford rate increases. And so this is a, a huge issue for us. And, and one of the things that we look at is equity. And, and one of the takeaways is you know, how we make sure that 
all communities within LA. So LA is a 475 plus square mile area, not the biggest geographic city in the country, but, but amongst the biggest and the second largest in terms of population. How do we know that all the communities we serve can really participate? Because they're all interested in participating in the clean energy future and really you know, being able to enjoy a better and cleaner environment. And so when we look at this and we look at, at you know, economic recovery going on now from COVID, we look at issues of social justice and how that plays out. There's a chance for all these things to come together. Um, we're, we have looked at programs such as our rooftop solar. And rooftop solar, over probably a couple of decades, we invested about $300 million in rebates that started very large and then a very small as solar became uh you know, costs came down and became more the norm and something that was much more commercially viable. And so, but not everyone can participate in a program like that. If you don't own a roof, how can you participate? So what about people who rent their homes or live in apartment buildings and, and they want to participate in, the, in a clean future? They pay their energy bill, but they don't pay the cost of installing something on the roof. So how do you get a landlord to make an investment that maybe somebody else benefits from? And so, so looking at bridging those gaps by creating you know, shared solar programs and things where community can invest in solar and invest in the clean future is a big thing that we're looking at. The other thing we're looking at is how do people get to get to do their share to be more efficient and lower their energy bills and mitigate the rate impacts. And so, you know, we've done a lot with weatherization of dwellings and we're actually significantly increasing our home weatherization program so that we can help folks to have better insulated windows, uh, attic insulation, the things that a lot of times lower income communities with older homes don't have built in because those homes may be preceded when there is, you know, regular insulation put in like we see in a modern home these days. And so there's a lot of things for efficiency that we can offer to a lot of communities that'll help them to reduce their energy demand, control their power bills, and then also uh, make it more efficient for us to deliver energy as, you know, as, for the future of LA as we see the, the grid more electrify with more electric vehicles and such. And so, you know, really rolling out our photovoltaic programs to more folks, uh, really helping people reduce their energy demand, creating efficiencies in the space that they live and making our programs more, more broadly available to everybody is something that's really significant and, uh, and, and important to us. And so we know we're creating heat maps of where is their investments being made in the communities? Where are there gaps? Um, the same thing can be said with solar, with uh, uh, electric vehicle chargers. You know, where do the, what's what does the charger saturation look like? If we want to have solar uh, electric vehicles available to the public, how do we make sure that that people have a place to charge those? Especially if you're in multifamily residential, where do you plug in? You don't have a home to plug up plug in at night necessarily. And so, what do you do? So we're investing significantly in in an electric charger rebate program to get chargers more. Per, spreads pervasively throughout the city, especially where there's multifamily residential and, and businesses so that people can either charge at home at night or go somewhere and have a charger available, especially with California's goals to, to really push the use of electric vehicles and reduce gas vehicles in the next decade. We have to have the charging infrastructure in place for that, and we have to have it in all communities. And so looking at how chargers are spread and focusing and targeting communities where we see a gap uh, is very important in terms of equity. Uh, likewise, we've also have a rebate program for used electric vehicles so that we can make sure that that more folks have access to a, a clean fuel vehicle of the future and that, that they won't be left behind. And so these are significant uh, you know, efforts that we're making. You know, for, for instance, we've invested one hundred and ninety four million dollars in some of our just local efficiency programs. 
and and it's already resulted in about $56 million of savings for customers. We want to make sure that that savings continues and is available to customers of, of all sorts everywhere throughout the city of LA. And so you know, as we look at this, our shared solar programs, opportunities for virtual debt metering, metering um, you know, finding how tenants can participate uh, in, in solar energy that maybe when they don't own the rooftop, you know, get electric vehicle, these are these are programs that we think really help level the playing field for all of our customers. It brings everybody into the future. It brings everybody into a clean energy, uh, an opportunity, and 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 I think everyone wants to be part of it. The question is how to make programs available so that they all get to be part of it and no one's left behind. We're very focused on this issue, and in the last couple of years, realizing where rebates have gone where they haven't gone and how we focus on the communities that we've missed so far. That's something that we're, that we're very in tune with in the next couple of years moving ahead. Great. So, um, so final question on the LA 100 study um, with the study's completion, um, love to hear from you in terms of uh, next steps for uh, LADWP. So, you know, it's, it's interesting because, um, you know, when we, when we look at the study, the study ran literally ran millions of scenarios uh, in, in what it would, how we would achieve clean power in the city of LA. And, uh, you know, and the, and the question is, you know, how do we get, you know, sustained deployment of renewables? You know, how do we deal with, you know, overnight and seasonal storage? Uh, what about the transmission investments that we need to make in basin where we have to either find new transmission pathways, which is very difficult, or just upgrade the ones we have? Um, and making sure that reliability is always there. Uh, and then also looking at significant questions about what does generation look like in the LA basin? Because uh, the one thing that the NRAIL study showed us and validated is that we have to have significant in-basin generation to meet our, uh, our uh, you know, standards for power delivery, as well as reliability in all scenarios. And so how does that look and getting to a clean future? So what we have now has really armed us you know, to, to prepare for the future. Um, it gave us several options for path forward. Uh, there's a number of no regrets actions that we know no matter what options we choose that we have to we have to make these changes. And so 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 the next steps I look at, you know, we really are want to want to move forward on certain projects. It's the wind projects and, and solar and storage projects that I mentioned earlier. Um, we're also looking at a geothermal project projects that we know have to happen no matter what. And, and the faster we can get those projects uh, up and running, the faster we can drive ourselves toward a clean future. And at the same time, um, you know, we're looking at what are those stages of our of our you know energy energy mix kind of accomplishments. Um, we'd originally targeted to be 80% renewable energy and 97% greenhouse gas free by 2036. Uh, we've now moved that to 2030. So by 2030, we'll be 80% renewable. 97% greenhouse gas free in Los Angeles. And then the next step is that where the mayor's committed that we are making a hard run at President Biden's goals of uh, having a clean energy mix by uh, 2035. And so we really are looking at what those first, the next steps would really be those, those no regrets projects. You know, what do we need to do that to get clean in-basin generation? Um, what do we have to do for um, for you know battery and, and construction and, and uh, really it putting more energy storage here in the LA basin and help decarbonize, as well as uh, the pr- transmission projects and and the and the really the the fast 
you know, following uh, the the solar and wind projects that are that we have in neighboring states. So these are the immediate steps that we're taking now. And certainly, you know, as we get to a higher percentage of renewable energy, um, it, it, those last we always talk about, those last few percent are going to be tougher and tougher and more expensive. And so, um, but we're going to be learning a lot as we get on that pathway. And, um, you know, it'll be a huge lift in this coming decade to build uh, the projects that we already have on the books. But we need to move those move, move those forward quickly, and then and, and to learn uh, with our new fuels, learn from hydrogen, and see how the system responds, and uh, and then continue to to refine the plan as we move to 100% clean energy. Okay, and so s- switching gears to some other uh, recent exciting news for LADWP. Um, LADWP was recently recognized by the Smart Electric Power Alliance for its efforts um, to transition to a modern carbon-free energy system. So could you describe for our listeners the actions that LADWP has taken to earn this recognition? Well, certainly. And we are very proud to be recognized in this way. It, uh, it, it, uh, it was, it's nice to, be, to have someone see the work that you're doing and, and take note and, and be recognized, of course. And any utility appreciates you know, the chance that, that a lot of times what we do is, you know, kind of unsung hero work uh, behind the scenes. So to be recognized at any level is uh, is always a good thing for, for any of us in this industry. And, you know, when SEPA uh, uses their uh, their utility transformation leaderboard, the, the, the criteria they look at are clean energy resources, corporate leadership, uh, modern grid enablement, and uh, aligned actions and engagement. So those are those criteria. So, you know, the things that we did that supported the recognition were first, it was our working with uh, uh, the NREL Lab, National Renewable Energy Lab, and with the local stakeholders in completing that study. And so that collaboration um, and, and really going after a study bigger than what we could do ourselves, you know, really reaching outside of ourselves and doing something different was a big component. Um, LA Water Power was recognized as being progressive and transformative in our goals and, and really pushing that decrease in greenhouse gas uh, uh, emissions and really expanding our renewable portfolio. So really trying to take that leadership role, not being afraid to, to put our, our stake in the ground and, and declare where we're going in the future is a, is a big part of the leadership component. Um, you know, we continue to make progress through a number of strategies and programs um, related to not just clean energy, but grid modernization that'll help us reduce our carbon footprint, um, including you know accelerating electric vehicle charging infrastructure so that we can really accommodate what the customers want in the future, as well as launching the customer programs that I mentioned and 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 deploying all the other clean energy projects. So these are the things that were considered um, uh, in in you know, really uh, the recognition of LA as, as a leader. And so um, one of the, you know, we look at the, at the, what we've achieved and what we're planning to achieve. The state of California has some very, uh, very tremendous goals um, that are set in legislation for how we should be in the future in terms of clean energy, carbon-free amount of renewables. And, and so we've exceeded that with our own goals and really set ourselves on a path to be there. And so, and then of course, with Mayor Garcetti's pledge, to be carbon free by 2035. I think we're the, the, the we're the first large utility or maybe the first utility to really uh, really adopt uh, President Biden's you know energy vision. And it's a it's a stretch goal. It's a huge stretch goal and it's ambitious. But if we don't make those uh, commitments to goals like that, we'll never even begin to get close. And so, you know, being pay, placed on the trans- transformation leaderboard, you know, it helps remind us that we're leading the way and that, you know, we'll be an example for the utilities. And, and we certainly look at ourselves as 
well positioned to be in a leadership role um, as a public utility, working with public funds and being concerned about impacts to our ratepayers. Um, we believe that you know the the issues we're dealing with are are pretty inclusive of most of what the power industry has to deal with. And so um, we're we're proud of what we're doing, we're proud of the work we're doing, and we think that it it does. Uh, put us in a position to hopefully set a very good example uh, of how to succeed for other utilities across the country. Great. Um, and this is, again, switching uh, gears and, and looking at another topic. Um, so on April 1st, LEDWD began participating in the California ISO's Western Energy Imbalance Market. Um, could you detail the benefits that will flow to LEDWP and its customers from um, that participation? You know, participating in the energy imbalance market or the EIM um, is is a really big thing for us. It was a it was a huge lift um, in terms of uh, getting our infrastructure ready and our operators and our people um, ready to move into the market. Um, we moved into the market. It was uh, what twelve or one a.m. I guess on April first that we joined the market, and immediately um, you'd think we we're running the stock floor um, with, with with power trading. And, you know, for us, it really helps us improve our grid reliability. You know, it optimizes renewable energy, uh, you know, resources and help manages the cost to our customers. Um, and so it's, and it's not just for us. It really helps, you know, folks all across the uh, utilities that are connected in the West. And it does it because it allows us, instead of day ahead trading, to really go to near real time, five minute trading on the market, um, you know, for purchasing low cost energy, for making energy available when it's in excess. And it really kind of connects a lot of projects. You think about this, um, there's a lot of transmission in California. LA happens to own about 25% of the transmission in the state of California. And again, we have renewable resources and other energy resources, you know, located in five states. But, but using the EIM helps us to connect the transmission grids. It helps us to allow us to use other grids that are maybe controlled by the Cal ISO or to route power from our grid to the Cal ISO and, and take advantage of projects that maybe have renewable energy excesses that we can get at a discount. Or if we have excesses, we can sell to other customers. And so you think of it, it really helps get a better energy mix uh, integrated into the whole Western system and the whole Western grid system. And it, it'll drive greenhouse gases down. It'll reduce the need for uh, for you know burning fossil fuels and really optimize the use of solar and wind power by getting it to more customers when it's available. So, um, and you know, one thing with renewable energy, we know that it's variable and it can be intermittent. And so, by allowing oh, this broad geographic diversity, so by by playing in an area that's bigger than LA's pool or where our resources are, but really across the West United States, by playing in that bigger pool, then the renewable energy different sources. Are, are not all affected by the same thing. The wind may be stopped somewhere by blowing somewhere else, or the, maybe there's cloud cover in one area, there's not cloud cover somewhere else. So by by connecting all those dots, the EIM, the energy imbalance market, lets us trade and, and really utilize that energy and get it where it's needed um, and make those connections. And so, um, you know, it really, like I say, it's basically expanding our geographical footprint across the West. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of savings. Uh, I think uh, they're estimating that $300 million savings in California from the EIM already. And, um, and you know, LA will be participating in that. And it's, it's savings because investments have already been made. How can we maximize the value of those investments across a broader base of people who can take advantage of them? So I think that we're looking at a significant savings to our customers, um, as well as uh, us helping to be part of the solution to drive down uh, greenhouse gas emissions in the West. Um, so, so as you know, um, 
wildfires remain an ongoing concern in California. Um, so um, we'd like to hear um, details on the steps that um, the utility has taken in terms of mitigating the threat of wildfires um, to LADWP's grid. So, uh, you know, the wildfires are a serious issue here. And, uh, you know, it's, it's such that, you know, wildfire planning is no longer seasonal. It's, it's a year-round issue. And I think even agencies such as CAL FIRE that used to be funded more during the fire season are looking at your know, year-round re- requirements to be able to, to address fires, especially with climate change. Uh, you know, the climate change is maybe not just the heat, but it's maybe less rain, more dry fuel. Uh, it's issues with uh, less moisture that affects like like pine trees and other trees with bark beetle infestation. And now you have, you know, trees that are dying in the forest and are prone to burn. So there's a number of ways that that climate change or drought or however you want to combine that climate irregularity, whatever you want to call it, how those things play together and, and really increase the fire risk. And certainly not every fire is caused by utility industry. I mean, we look in California, I think something like 10% of fires are caused by something related to a, the power industry and 90% aren't. But but at the same time, whether a fire starts from a wire or a wire goes to a fire prone area and the fire is already burning, uh, there's an impact on the grid and there's an impact on, on, on customers. And we know how important um, electricity is. I mean, electricity is it's not just uh, you know flipping the lights on a home. It's it's running pump stations uh, that provide you know water for fire hydrants. It's running communication systems. Um, it's traffic control systems. It's running uh, gas station pumps. It's charging electric vehicles. A lot of things. Public safety. Um, uh, even uh, things such as hospitals and and doctor visits and all these things are affected by power outages. Uh, so unlike a lot of investor-owned utilities, um, we have not uh, automatically de-energized lines uh, in advance of a fire. So one of the things that's happened is that you know during during wind events, um, this is kind of public safety power shutoffs. So we have not been doing that in LA, partly because uh, even though we have a lot of transmission, a lot of it does not run through high fire areas. But we do have high fire exposure even in the city of LA. We have the things like the Hollywood Hills, the Santa Santa Monica Mountains, places that are I think pretty pretty well known throughout most of the world uh, that are prone to fire and and places where there's a lot of dense and expensive housing and uh, narrow roads. Uh, and so, uh, you know, the question is, you know, should we leave the power on or off? And, you know, we've made the decision that um, there's a lot more damage done in our community by turning the power off, you know, arbitrarily. Um, and and so we're really relying on, on hardening our system and our system's performance and its track record of performance, as well as the fact that we're served by a, you know, a class one fire department here in the city of Los Angeles who has great response. And so part of our work has been to, you know, to partner more with the fire department, you know, do things that help in terms of response times, addressing, um, you know, high fire risk, uh, looking at, at, at cameras and other things that help identify fire outbreaks. Um, and then of course, hardening our infrastructure. Uh, we've always had, uh, construction standards that exceed the state standards. So our our poles have always been designed for higher wind loads, uh, uh, you know, to, to, to uh, greater wire spacing, so wires don't slap together. So and and we're and now as we look at wildfire issues, we're again addressing that. We're we have tremendous amount of pole and line replacements. Uh, we're starting to utilize insulated wire in some of the high fire areas. Um, we have a very strong vegetation management program. We we map over 400,000 trees um, that get trimmed by by dozens and dozens of field crews annually. 
And, and of course, vegetation management is a huge piece of, of fire resiliency. And then, of course, we're looking at pole replacements and, and, and what is the material replacing with? Um, looking at going to uh, uh, fiberglass cross arms instead of wood cross arms, which are usually the first thing to fail on a pole. Um, in designing for higher wind loads, looking at that wire spacing, all these things to have better resiliency and reliability in the event of you know windstorm, which could of course, lead to a fire or during a, you know, during the fire season. So um, we've had a, a very good track record with our system in fires. Uh, we want to keep it that way. Um, we, we used to do some automatic reclosers of systems, which mean that if we had a short on the system, we'd try to reclose because it could just be a branch falling through or an animal and, and then want to have a power outage. But we're actually blocking reclosers uh, during high fire risk days. And we're updating our equipment that's in the field so that we have much less danger of a hot wire dropping to the ground and causing a fire. So uh, we're, we're, we have a power system reliability program that looks specifically at wildfire hardening and mitigation. And, uh, and again, we're placing you know, mini poles, cross arms and transformers uh, in high fire risk areas so that we can make sure that our system is, is less prone to causing a fire and able to continue to run uh, reliably during windy days and serve our customers normally. And so, um, so this is something that we, that we continue to, to continue to work on very aggressively. Uh, it's a, it's the thing that probably every California utility is, is dealing with. Um, we're fortunate. We, we think we have a pretty good head start because of the system, our, our condition, our, the condition our system is in and the design standards that we had, but we continue to improve those design standards and really, um, really try to make our system as resilient as possible. And again, keys are vegetation management is keys. Physical inspection is key. Um, as as well as you know, replacing the aging infrastructure and not getting behind the curve on that. Great, and so just kind of wrapping things up here. Um, um, would love to hear from you. Uh, your long term goals related to um, LADWP's power system. So you know, if I could step back just before even the power system, one of the things that that we want to do is both for power and water, customer service, all parts of organization. We want public to. To, to have confidence in this organization. We want them to understand that, that it's managed tightly, that, it's, that, that, that we really understand that the money we spend is our customers' money. There's no other money. And, and so people need to trust us and, and have a sense of confidence that we are doing the best with the, with the funds that they, that they spend through their water and power bills and that we're investing it wisely um, in a system that, and, and infrastructure that they, they want to have for the future, as well as something that'll serve them reliably. Uh, and at the same time, we, we have a very diverse workforce, but we are working all the time to make it more diverse and more inclusive and really uh, reflect the, the, the city that we, that we serve. And so, uh, and with that, you know, our goal is really to be recognized, you know, you know, nationally, even globally as a leader in innovating uh, how we are stewards of the environment and really promoting sustainability. And I think, but what you've talked about on the power side, and there's similar goals on the water side, really put us in that position. You know, the power system is working diligently toward a decarbonized future uh, in a way that's environmentally responsible, it's reliable and resilient, and, and sensitive to the rate impacts and, and how it affects all of our customer base. And so um, we're hoping that, that and we're planning, I don't say hoping, this is a, hope, we, we intend that what we're doing uh, will be done in such a way that we actually can hopefully be an example to other utilities that can be replicated. Uh, not everyone is situated the same. Not everything, everyone has the exact same set of situations. But we do believe that, that we're making a number of investments and taking a number of steps 
that are replicable to other utilities to show that that we can all do this and we can all make a difference together. Um, City of LA making a difference alone won't change things. City of LA making a difference and showing that we can do it affordably and in a way that helps all of our customer base makes a difference. And that, and that I think is what we can leverage. And so, you know, it, you know, continuing with renewable energy goals, you know, really exceeding what anybody thought could be done, um, you know, getting to those high levels of renewables and, 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 and tremendous carbon reduction in the very near future um, is, is a, a big piece of that and showing that this is possible and it's possible in a way that uh, that can support electrification of transportation. Uh, it can um, you know, support reliability of the grid. Uh, it'll you know, use all the latest technologies and take advantage of innovations in the industry and, and deliver something that our customers ought to be proud of and can afford to, uh, to enjoy and set ourselves up for the future. And so, um, you know, this is who we aim to be. Uh, this is what we're about. Uh, you know, we're going to push the envelope here. We're really going to we're really going to go after some changes that we think will be, you know, long-lasting and hopefully leverage the entire utility industry uh, in the U.S. And you know, we all those who provide power know that we need to do things that we can afford and that are reliable. But yet, we can't do the same things in the future that we did in the past. And so, we want to we want to turn that page, we want to bridge that gap, and we want to lead by example and, and show that it can be done and can be done affordably. So that's that's who we plan to be in the in the years ahead. And I think you're going to see some pretty ambitious things coming out of LA. And uh, we have great confidence that we'll have some, some a lot of success here. Marty, thanks so much for your taking the time out of your day to speak with us. We really appreciate it. It's been a great conversation. Uh, you have an open invitation to return as a guest um, for the podcast in the future. Um, given everything we covered today, I'm sure there's plenty of things you can provide an update on, uh, obviously starting with the LA 100 study uh, and progress on that front. So again, thanks so much uh, for taking the time to speak with us. Thanks for having me on. Really appreciate the opportunity.